us today. Pastor Moore's coming. Bless him, Lord, in Jesus' name. Anoint him mightily, God. Praise the Lord, church. Isn't it great to be here on this Sunday morning? To know about this great truth and the power of God. Lord bless you. You may be seated. We'll let our classes go to their classrooms this morning. Uh, what a beautiful day the Lord has given us to come and worship him in. Amen. It's a little hour later than normal, so it's got you maybe a little, uh, maybe altered just a little bit. But uh, thank God for cell phones that automatically takes care of that for us. We didn't have to stay up to wait to 2 o'clock and roll the time. Amen. Fall back. Amen. Hallelujah. But God's good to us. It's so good to see each one of you here today to worship the Lord and to magnify his name and to let his sweet presence and his touch into our hearts and his presence into our lives. We are a blessed people. We got our new Sunday school books for the next three months. Amen. So they provided. I didn't. I figured they'd pick them up as whenever and however. Amen. So yeah, they don't know what people want. Some want the large print ones. Some want the small and Amen. Hallelujah. That's the reason your, your nerves are so bad. You got too many choices to make. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. If we cut it way down to just two or three, it wouldn't be near as hard a lot of times. But uh, thank God for choices. Thank God for the, the, the greatest choice that you and I have got that we can choose to live for God. Amen. That uh, we're not just fashioned and molded and shaped into some kind of robot or something of that nature. Uh, no options, no choices, amen, no choosing, amen, but God, God's given man the opportunity to choose. It started from the garden, it's been that way ever since, amen, but thank God for the spirit of God that'll draw us. That's something that's really been on my heart in the last few weeks, and I think I'm going to study it out and maybe preach, talk about it sometime, but well, the Bible says, unless his spirit draw us, no man can come unto him. Man, if we've ever needed the Spirit of God to draw us and uh, to beckon us and woe us, amen, until that place, not just the first encounter of uh, receiving the Holy Ghost, but uh, it's even from those times as we're moved upon by the Holy Ghost to help us. So Paul's writings, Corinthian believers, talks about that we don't, we don't really know what to pray or how to pray, but... Uh, Thank God for the Holy Ghost and that spirit of prayer that can help us with our infirmities and help us with our shortcomings and inabilities. And we know that there's no good thing in our flesh. That's what Paul has taught us. And uh, I am what I am by the grace of God. But it is good to see each one of you here on this Sunday morning to magnify the Lord, to have an ear to hear what the Word of God has to say and a heart to reach out feel the love of the master the love of the king hallelujah there's no god like this god there's no savior like him no other name been given under heaven whereby we must be saved the most beautiful yet powerful name called jesus amen how many is interested in everlasting life praise god amen well we we ought to be you know that's no doubt there's people that spend a lot of money trying to extend this life. And, uh, and there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with exercising, eating right, trying to be healthy. 
trying to do things, amen, to not only extend your life, but yet to live a healthy life. How many of you know one of the greatest blessings to attain that upon this earth? What, what to do? Scripture's taught us to do it. Obey your parents and the Lord. This is the first commandment we promise. Promise to extend your days upon this earth. Amen. And not just to extend those days, but the favor of God, the blessings of God to be with those days. To have health and strength and ability to live, to serve. And, uh, you know, the scriptures taught us it's a greater blessing to give than to receive. And sometimes that giving, you know, I know, I know most of us were geared and we kind of directed and at money. But you know what? There's some things that you and I can give that money just can't buy. Amen. And a type of service and a type of love and compassion. And so everlasting life, you can't purchase it. It doesn't matter how much, how healthy a food you eat, how much vitamins and exercising you do. This body is simply I won't say it wasn't ever designed that it couldn't live forever because I read in the Reader's Digest and you take that for what it's worth. But, but even in there, they said these bodies are actually designed and built that they should live forever. And this is their, their, their terms. This is what they come out. And they used it. But they said because of sin, sin has caused these bodies to be destroyed. And that's out of the Reader's Digest. Amen. I had never forgot that. Probably read that 25, 30 years ago. Amen. Sin. Amen. We know that by the garden. We know, amen, by the Bible that is taught us. And so God came to deliver us out of darkness and bring us into this marvelous light. And this light, if we'll walk in this light, this light will lead us to everlasting It'll lead us to that place that you and I long to, uh, to experience, to be a part of. A place where no pain, no sorrows, no heartaches, no dying. There won't be hospitals and funeral homes and things of that nature in that, in that new place, in that new heaven, a new earth. Amen. Now the Bible says there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. Bible's instructed us there's going to be gates in that city. Why would you need gates unless somebody's using them? Bible has taught us that in that new city, there's going to be some trees and some leaves on those trees for the healing of the body. Why would you need healing and glorified bodies? New earth. You better start reading your Bible. You better start paying attention. A lot of, a lot of things are said and a lot of a lot of people say a lot of things, and they just picked it up from one generation to the next and never really searched the scriptures. You know, Jesus even taught his own, his Jews, those that his chosen people, if you want to put it that way. Amen. Except you believe on him as the scriptures have said. He was simply telling those Jews, said, if you don't search the scriptures and make sure you believe on me as they have taught, you're going to miss it. You're going to miss it. Amen. I don't want to miss it this morning. I don't believe you do. You don't either. You wouldn't be here, you know. So, you know, I, I, I took this in consideration, especially in the last year or so as pastoring. I want to be careful how I preach to our people. I love them, care for them, because at least you're here. 
There's multitudes that's out there that never, never bothers to try to go to the house of God. And I'm not judging them, but the book's judging them. You can't forsake the assembling of yourselves. You've got to have a place. You've got to have a place to be instructed. Judgment starts at the house of God. And I thank God for it. Amen. But it is good to see all of you. Cindy, it's good to see you. God bless you this morning. Good to see you with us today. Amen. Appreciate her. Good to see each one of you. House of God, Brother Ernie, it's good to see you. I'm praying for those sinuses. God, God help him. Amen. Amen. Others, let's pray for others. Some are sick, some afflicted, and things of this nature. Just seems to be a lot of it going on with the weather and all. But hey, it's, it's been like that as long as I can remember. Amen. Praise God. Now, I do remember, I will say this. You know, as a kid coming up, I don't remember flu and all this all just year round. It got worries just don't never go away. Man, people have a sinus problem all the way through the summer and everything else. And so anyway, here we are. So everlasting life. I, I, and I probably, I'm going to look at this just a little different to at least from the beginning of it. It's John, the third chapter. It's going to be talking about Nicodemus. And we're going to be dealing with a council and the Pharisees and as we look at this, and, um, and then the latter part, I'm going to come back, and we're going to go through the 21 verses of John, the third chapter. And um, the, the words that are taught and who they're being taught to in this particular setting and timing. John, John brought out some things that the pre- previous gospel writers did not. Uh, John actually wrote where uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke had individuals. They was writing to either the Jews or the Gentiles or the Greeks. Amen. But John was writing to everybody. And the theme of John was of God, of the divinity of God. Amen. And who Jesus Christ was and as the door, as the, the Messiah. And John's writings most believe for somewhere around 40 years after Matthew, Mark, and Luke's writings. And it's after the experience on the Isle of Patmos. And uh, he had been through a lot now. And now probably, you know, most believe he's probably in his 90s now. And um, he, he's seen a lot go uh, happen and take place. And the attack of the enemy and the powers of it. And the effects it was having upon the believers and the church and so John's writings here, as he begins to address things and lay some foundations and some sure uh, actions and directions to be saved, to attain that everlasting life. John writes it in such a, a beautiful and a powerful way. Not, not that any of the rest was any less. We're not saying that. But, but we're just saying there's some... Doctrines, there is some insights that John's going to reveal to us. Now remember, now he's that beloved disciple. He never really writes in, in himself. And he writes 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. And the, the love theme of those. And, and so we, there's a lot of that in, intertwined into his writings and his passion. A man of who he loved. He was the one that would be the lazy head on the breast of Jesus. He was the one that could ask him, you know, who was going to rebel against him. So, so we know, we understand he was a part of that inner circle. A man as he walked with Jesus Christ in those three and a half years. And, 
And so then after that, through prayer and experiences, I'm telling you, that, that experience was evil on the Isle of Patmos. And after history says, after supposedly they tried to boil him and tried to kill him, and now they put him out on this Isle of Patmos. And, and so when you get an understanding of all of that, and yet he's still able to come back and pen the words. He's able to write about the love of God. He's able to write about the authority, the power, and the saving powers of God. And with all the things that he had experienced and what he had in, 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 endured, a man during his time of walking with God and, and, and understanding he that endures unto the end. So it helps us to understand the importance of, of what's written here. In fact, if you've done any studying on your lesson this morning and, and any of the characters, Nicodemus, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit. Uh, John's the only one that writes about Nicodemus, or, or at least you can find. You know, a lot is mentioned about Nicodemus, and supposedly, I don't know nothing about this part, but supposedly they made movies, and, and he would come some, sometimes one of the main characters in those movies, and things of this nature. But you're going to learn this morning that Nicodemus is only mentioned three times in your Bible, three times. And John is the only one that wrote about Nicodemus. So we, we begin to see some things. And, and notice we're going to learn something about Nicodemus. That he wasn't just uh, another. And, and I'm not lifting him up. I'm just telling you he was holding a position. He was holding a place. And you're going to watch uh, in the next lesson. The next lesson or two that we got in John's writings in the fourth chapter. You're going to watch John as he goes from one from one. If I could put it this way, elite or dealing with an individual that's holding a position and a place of authority and insight and, and leadership and spiritual leadership, religion leadership. Until the next chapter, he's going to bring a character, address one that her life was also messed up. She, her relationships and ability to hold on to relationships and Things of this nature. So it goes from one extreme to the other. But yet John writes unto us. Out of these two chapters. If everybody would read these two chapters. With honesty and with sincerity. And with open hearts. They would get, they would receive an understanding. And watch this. One of the most well known verses. Amen. That all of your world knows. Amen. Is what? What do they use for the saving uh, verse of the universe? What does most people Hinge and build upon and say, amen. And most people believe that you just know this one verse that you'll be saved. What is it? John 3.16. John 3.16. It's in our, it's our focus verse here this morning. And you know what? In studying this lesson, I believe God, well, I know God helped me. But, but I believe this is where that, that part Amen. And I know they go to Romans, but if you'll watch this, and you're going to see why John, John's writing here, begins to deal with the confession with the tongue. Because here you're going to see where individuals that begin to make confession of acknowledging who Jesus was, there was a price tag. And there was a great price tag with anybody that made this confession. He brings that out in this lesson here or in this chapter here today when he deals with Nicodemus and with Nicodemus coming to Jesus Christ. And so as we begin to look at this in our focus verse in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, that's everybody, <laughs> that he gave his only begotten son. 
Well, that's a key word, that begotten. Those that hold on to the doctrine that believes it, that Jesus was, is God, and there's three gods and co-equal. If, if, if Jesus was God, then how in the world he have a begotten and a beginning? And he's also going to have an ending. Sonship is going to have an ending. You can't be the almighty and a God to have a beginning and an ending. Somebody had to start you. Somebody had to create you. And that God called Jehovah as the one that begot this son. Amen. The second Adam. That through this second Adam is going to become a quickening spirit. But now, amen, the, the spirit of that and the departed called the Holy Ghost. That's what you and I are going to partake of. It's a measure of that spirit that gives us life and strength and energy. It's going to pull us out of the grave. It's going to pull us up off of this earth. And yet we're seeing religious people telling them, you don't have to have it. But I beg the difference for you. By the word of God, you must have it. You must have it. The words of Jesus Christ said, you must be born again of the water and the spirit. There's not an option there. If you're planning on having everlasting life, you've got to have the ingredient that gives that everlasting life, which happens to be the measure of the spirit of the almighty God. There's no way around it. So we have a key verse right here. And, and this key verse that the world uses, this sonship is begotten, a begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have whosoever believeth in him. And that's true. <laughs> it's everlasting life. If, but if you believe in him, and you start becoming his disciple, you start studying his word, you start surrendering and submitting yourself. And there's no ending to that. I feel like we got way too many that's just been content and satisfied with Acts 2.38. And they laid a foundation. But they, they got busy with the world and other things around them that they didn't worry about the walls and the roofing and keeping the kingdom of God first and why they was born to start with and what life is really all about. It's not about possessions. Whenever we start allowing possessions to possess us, then we just allow those possessions to become our God. <laughs> the real possession is God possessing us. We don't belong to ourselves any longer. We belong to him, to his call, to, his, to our servable ability. I spent somewhere on the phone 30 minutes yesterday talking to a good friend from Kentucky. Amen. On some of this same, same stuff right here. Because... Let's pray for him. God, he'd receive the Holy Ghost. He's wanting it. He, he just, he, he's learning everything. But, uh, but let's pray. God, he would somehow, somehow, some way. Amen. God, he would just, he would receive the Holy Ghost. And anyway, he's in a place. But anyway, let's pray for him. But so as we look at this, truth about God. God gave his only begotten son so that we might have everlasting life. Truth for our life. I will embrace the new life. And I have in Jesus this new life, this everlasting, this taste that we have tasted. We've sat in heavenly places. We know what it is to experience this presence. There, there's nothing like it. There is absolutely nothing like it. Amen. The Holy Ghost and in the presence of God and feeling the love of God. And it, it, it doesn't matter if you're just in the automobile, if it's just two or three other, or a church setting like this. It, it, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's powerful. So. And so as, as we start, and, and uh, I'm not going to, I'm probably not even going to use a lesson, okay? And I say that, uh, so I'm going I'm to do a little different for this morning.
But let's look at this. When you go, amen, to even the first verses of our lesson here this morning, when you go to John, that third chapter, and we see a setup here, amen, of who's, what this is about in this particular lesson today, and, and these 21 verses. So I'm going to use the first two verses to start with, and then we're going to look at some things, what brought this about, and uh, I hope something to help us all, to help us, encourage us, and uh, to, to help us understand what's, what some had to face, what some had to deal with, amen, and especially in their time, their hour. You know, Jesus wasn't accepted, as, as most people might would think. And, and what makes this situation worse, the religious people and the spiritual leaders rejected him, denied him. In fact, tried their best to destroy him. And not only him, but those that became his disciples and followers. Right down to Lazarus. They wanted to kill Lazarus because he identified the resurrecting power and the authority of Jesus Christ. That the Sadducees and the Pharisees and the religious leaders could not perform. Could not, could not make it happen. But they didn't want to give up those positions. They didn't want to give up those places. And it, you know what? If we're not careful, we battle some of those same battles within ourselves. It's one thing to call the Lord your Savior. But you know, Paul's writing says we can't even call him Lord without the Holy Ghost. But we've got to let him sit on the throne of our hearts. And when he sits on the throne of our hearts. And we let him be the master and the maker. And the author and finisher. I'm telling you it changes. Everything else fades. Actions of others. Deeds of others. Regardless of what they say. Regardless of what they're doing. Right down to death itself. That's the reason that the disciples and those that walked so close to him, 11 out of 12, amen, man, maybe I should, yeah, anyway, only John, as far as we know about history, died a natural death. All the rest of them was persecuted in one form or another. Even our own apostle that we call Paul, amen, was willing to be beheaded. And history says he went running to the chopping block. He took the victory out of those enemies. He was ready. He'd done it with a smile. He'd done it with, with eager. Can you imagine those that wanted to see him squirm? Can you imagine those that wanted to see him begging for his life? Can you imagine? Don't tell me they did. I'm telling you they do. When people got those kind of calloused hearts and, and, and when they followed these kind of seeing people persecuted, they get glory out of that, seeing somebody else suffering pain. Amen. But, but you know what? God's people takes that glory out. Because they don't have the fear of death. They know their maker. They know the one that holds everlasting life. So as you look at the first two verses here, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, a ruler now of the Jews, Nicodemus, the Pharisees. The same came to Jesus by night. There's a reason for it. There's a purpose for that. And Before we beat him up, hear me out this morning. Okay. Before you beat him up, before you, you think anything negative about him, 
listen to me. Let me bring some scriptures out. Let me let's observe some things. So when you look at the area demands of the council, and you begin to study that out, and to see where they come from and who they are. Go to Numbers 11 and 16. You don't have to. He's going to do it on the screen. I've, I've got it rearranged, and I, I hope I haven't messed you up, Brother Corey. What a, what a good day to start, buddy. I, I didn't have everything lined up this go-round, but I did try to number it and position it where maybe it makes some sense. But anyway, praise God. If you, when you do a study on this council, and it's on the Pharisees themselves, they was the Jewish uh, set or, or council uh, leadership of Jesus' day. They, their claims would be, was all the way back to Moses. Carries you back to this particular scripture. And the Lord said unto Moses, Gather unto me seventy men of the elders of Israel, whom thou knowest to be the elders of the people, and officers over them, and bring them unto the tabernacle. Amen. And so, here, the, the Pharisees, and actually it was a group of what they were called seventy-two men which would be 70 elders and a high priest, and then one overseeing them. This is what some. Now, there is a little dispute with that. It doesn't make any difference. But there is a likeness to this. And so we see this group that has been set up. It's been initiated and put into position and in rulerships and, and leadership, amen, in this time and ministry of Jesus Christ and the life of Jesus Christ in this area and time. Now, you and I both know it's these Pharisees and Sadducees and that rises up and causes so much persecution against not only Jesus Christ, but the church. And that's the reason I want to bring this out. This spirit is still alive today. The way it functions, the way it operates and goes about doing things. And most of it's just religion. Amen. And I know religion is mentioned in your Bible. But, but, but you know, Pentecost is not religion. Pentecost is an experience, and there is a vast difference between the two. That's reason. Religion will tell you all you've got to do is confess. Religion will tell you that you don't have to go to church, and you don't have to have a preacher. Religion will tell you that you don't have to do this, and you don't have to do that. And I heard one yesterday as I was coming back and forth to the church, and they put some pressure on him because he had made the statement, and some of his apparently, you know, because he was baptized, and, but apparently one of the, the one that heard him wrote a letter and asked him, do you believe to be saved you got to be baptized? No, I don't believe you got to be. And then he, you know, turns around, but I'm going to do it. It's a good thing Jesus done it. See, they don't read their Bible, though. Except he be baptized, you know, you can't be saved except unless, you know, without baptism, both water and spirit, there is no everlasting life. So we got to get back to the scriptures. And I thought that was kind of odd. This is a lesson. This is what I've been studying, going home and listen to this. And hey, these are educated people. They got a lot of followers, a lot of people. But God, even whenever they start to start to be nailed down, amen, and question about what they believe and what they are taught, they want to start compromising. I'm going to tell you something. I'm not going to compromise for nobody. Amen. Man, God help me to stand in this truth and stand for this God. And I want this church to do likewise. It's ever been a time that you you need to pray for your pulpit. Amen. A pulpit's got to be anchored and settled and unmoving, unchanging. We're serving an unchanging God. The plan of salvation is unchanged. This thing can't be moved. If you can move the pulpit, you're going to move the chairs or the pews. Amen. And you know what? The pressure in the end time, the layout is the end church, is because the pews and the chairs are constantly trying to move the pulpit. But I tell you, if it's ever been a time, the pulpit needs to be anchored and settled. I mean, forever and ever. So as we, we watch this, 
And these Pharisees, amen, are, that begins to work and, and work as you see. Now, now remember something. Nicodemus is one of these. He's one of this 70. Okay? And so, when you go to Matthew 5 and 22, but I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother, without a cause, shall be in danger of judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, shall be in danger of the council. The council. These are the words of Jesus Christ. But the council that he was referring to here is the Sanhedrin council. You're going to be in danger of them, their judgments, and of their actions, the decisions they decide to take. Go to Matthew 26 and 59. Now the chief priests and elders and all the council sought fault witnesses against Jesus to put him to death. This is the same council that Nebuchadnezzar, amen, that's part of this here now. He's part of this council. He's part of a man of this. He's a part of them. So, so just watch how this unfolds. So before we beat him up about coming at night, let's understand where he's coming from. Let's understand what council that he's a part of. Does this end? No. Go to Acts 4. You're going to see here. Now this is after the church. This is after the Pentecost. So after people are filling, filled with the Holy Ghost and and the disciples are being led and directed. And you're going to watch this again. It begins to rise up. But in Acts 4 and 15. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council. They conferred and among themselves. Brought Peter and John in. Into the council. This is that same council. This is the Pharisees. This is the 70. That's coming in to the high priest that they brought them. Trying to intimidate them, trying to, because they had such a pull and such a power, amen, upon them. Now, watch this. I, and later on, I think I got a few scriptures that help you understand that, uh, that it affected people because they had the power to, to, to throw you, amen, out of the tabernacle, is how it's put. In other words, any type of help. A man that was going to come. They didn't have a government. They didn't have programs by the government. And so, so it was out of this tabernacle. It was out of the religious church. A man, the Jews, that would help their widows and help different ones. That's the reason you read in the book of Acts, the 15th chapter, the big squabble over the widows. A man, the two different types of widows in that moment in time. Because it was the church was going to take on the responsibility of those that began to follow and become disciples of Jesus Christ. Those that began to be born again of the water and the spirit. There's always been a sacrifice when you cast your lot with Jesus Christ. We allowed the religious world, amen, and those around us it's brought a doctrine to us thinking, you know, we ought not, ought not be no sacrifice living for God. There ought not be no sacrifice in making decisions and coming out from the world. But I beg the difference with you, amen, there's a great sacrifice. First of all, you got to give up the world. Second of all, you become a soldier in the kingdom of God. And you got to put on, as Ephesians the sixth chapter, to put on the whole armor of God because you're in a spiritual war 
warfare for yourself and not only for you, but for those that's going to follow behind you, your next generation. And if we, we, we start laying things down and we start compromising, we start laying doctrines down and teaching and instruction, and that's the reason we're in such a mess we're in in America today. That's the reason there's a different sign or a different approach. Every church ought to have the first Jesus name church on it. Amen. Not a Bendale, but every church ought to have a Jesus name because you do every word and deed in the name of Jesus. You're baptized in the name of Jesus. You take on the name of Jesus because the family and God in heaven and earth is in case on this name because there's no other name amen to be given. No other name has the authority the power to cleanse us or heal us or deliver us. I'm telling you amen. We drifted so far away. What we're seeing here of this council that's going to keep rising up. It's going to keep coming against them. Saying, saying unto them, what shall we do to these men? The council. Now, now, come on. You and I as Holy Ghost filled people. God, you ought to come down right now. Just, you ought to burn every one of them up. I told you, you're a bunch of idiots. Now, if you're standing there and he's about to beat you up, crucify you, you'd be on that side too. Send a fire, God. Send a fire. <laughs> Amen. I sure don't want to be persecuted. But sometimes God didn't deliver them. Sometimes God's let it unfold it. Let it take place. Next, next one. Acts 6 proves this. Anybody heard of Stephen? Amen. The first martyr that we read of in the New Testament. Acts 6 and 12. And they stirred up the people. And the elders and the scribes and came upon him and caught him and brought him to the council. Same council. Same group. Same spirit. Same forces. And set up false witnesses which said, This man caused us not to speak blasphemous words against the holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth shall destroy this place. And shall change the customs which Moses delivered unto us. You see how words can be twisted and how things can be rearranged and make it look like? <laughs> they didn't realize that this Jesus, this Messiah, the one that came and fulfilled exactly what Moses said. <laughs> and all they, all that sat in the council, looking steadfastly on him, saw his face as it had been the face of an angel. God's got his witnesses. When judgment time comes and the hour comes, God's going to be able to call everything. Everything, everything, everything is going to be back together. That's the reason when I have to deal with certain things, I tell the people all the time, I say, well, God knows. God knows all the ins and God knows all the outs. God knows. And thank God because he also will show mercy and compassion. That works to our favor as much as against us, okay? Because God knows the intent of the heart. God knows whether or not if what you meant or if you didn't mean it. God knows. Amen. And he'll work for us if we'll let him. You can go to Acts, the 22nd chapter. And, and I know I'm going to take some time. I actually told him, I said, I may not even. In fact, I gave him more scriptures, amen, in, in some of this. Uh, but we probably won't make it that far. But we're just going to look at some of this because I want us to understand and realize 
a man, a man, what, what unfolded here and what transpired. But when you go to Acts, the 27th chapter, so, so we see all the way unto the ending of this, a man, that, that this spirit was ever seized and this spirit that they had to war against and battle against. When you look at Acts 22, a man of 30, we're going to start with 30 and then go right in on the morrow because he would have known the certainty whereof he was accused of the Jews. He loosed him from his bands and commanded the chief priest and all their counsel to appear and brought next verse. Paul down and set him before them. Now you watch this. This is Paul's coming in. This is some of his last days. He's brought him before this council. They're going to judge him and bring him before a man after they set him down there. So when you go to 23 and 1, it begins to pick up, even though it changes a chapter. Still goes on. And Paul, earnestly beholding the council, said, Men and brethren, I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. Watch what he handles in the next verse. The chief priest, not realizing who he was. But listen, watch him. Next verse. As you watch him here, a man began to, uh, began to work on them. He says, and the high priest Ananias commanded them that, that stood by him to smite him on the mouth. Then said Paul unto him, God shall smite thee, thou whited swab. For saidest thou to judge me after the law, and commandest me to be smitten contrary to the law? And they that stood by said, Revilest thou God's high priest? Watch, watch the next statement now. When it's brought to Paul's attention, who he, the statements that he just made and who he said it to, watch what he says. Then said Paul, I wish not or I knew not, brethren, that he was the high priest. For it is written, Thou shalt not speak evil of the rulers of thy people. There is a balance, folks. There is a, an area that we have got to walk in regard and respect. And in this, it was even set up. Watch out, Paul. That this is the same bunch that come up to rail, to attack, and to destroy a man, the truth, the ministers, and the messengers. If you go back and read in those chapters, you'll see where the first time, the fourth chapter, they didn't throw him in dungeons. But they commanded them. They asked him by what power and my authority. Commanded him, don't go preach and teach anymore in the name of Jesus. Anybody ever picked up on some of this? That, you know, you can't pray in the name of Jesus, but it's all right for the rest of them to pray whatever names they want to pray in. Hmm. It's all right as long as you keep Jesus out of the picture. It's all right as long as you keep truth out of the picture. Hmm. But if you're going to have everlasting life, you've got to get hold of truth. And let truth get a hold of you. And so now when you go from that. And we, let's go to Nicodemus. You come back to John the third chapter. And, and as you read of him coming at night. And uh, he came to Jesus by night. And said unto him Rabbi. He recognizes him as a master. He recognizes him as a teacher. And, and what else did he, he recognize and he realized. Now he's a part of this council. You've got to remember now. That, that Nicodemus was a part of that group. That was helped making decisions. Where I don't know if, if he voted yay or nay on some of those decisions. But as they would take counsel and say. What are we going to do with this man Jesus? How are we going to go about dealing with him? 
And it's, it's going to prove itself in just a minute about Nicodemus and what begins to happen. But here's the first time we read of Nicodemus and his approach unto Jesus Christ himself. He realizes and he recognizes, and I believe all the council recognized, amen, that Jesus is not just another man. That Jesus is not just one of these that's going to be a flyby that, that uh, Aquila, amen, and them had talked about, amen, in, in, in the beginning of Acts where it just had 400 and didn't last very long. Say, but if God's in it, how are you going to stop it? But watch what he says. We know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do what you do except it be of God. It's the way that the miracles, the signs, the things that's unfolding in your ministry and in your life. Unless God be with you. Now he wouldn't acknowledge him as the Messiah. Okay. Let's go to the seventh chapter of John. See what happens the three times that Nicodemus is mentioned in the scriptures. So we're going to watch. And, and I'd love to be able to tell you this morning that, uh, and, and I don't know, but let's just watch what happens here. What, what happens to Nicodemus in his life and the direction. You start at the 40th verse of the 7th chapter. Then came the officers to the chief priests and Pharisees, and they said unto them, why have you not brought him? Because they had sent him out. If you back up into this chapter, they'd sent him out to bring him in. And he had taught them. In fact, this was after the feast. And, and if you're going to notice a part of our lessons, when you go back to the 37, 38 verse, he's talking about the spirit. And he stands up at the end of that feast and he cries out to those that hunger and thirst after them. They ask for him for water. He'll give them everlasting water. And the well, the well that'll spring up in them. So this is what is unfolding. And they, they was there. Those that they'd sent out, amen. The military sent out to take Jesus and bring him into the council. Amen. But no man had ever spake like, like this man. And things are happening. So they wouldn't take him. And so now the conversation's coming up as he's brought back in. Then came the officers to the chief priests. They had come back empty-handed. They didn't bring Jesus. Man, they weren't about to put their hands on him. They weren't about to take a hold of him. And so now they're going to question him and say, They said unto them, Why have you not brought him? The officers answered, Never man spake like this man. Then answered them, The Pharisees, Are ye also deceived? Listen to the terms of the statements of the Pharisees and how they address them. Have you been deceived? Have any of the rulers or of the Pharisees believed on him? Well, this question begins to come apart. I can imagine, amen, because watch it is unfold. But that this, this people who knoweth not the law are cursed. They don't know the law. They don't know what they're doing. <laughs> they ain't got a clue. You know, that's where you have to be careful. You know, you got a lot of people forever learning of the Bible that never come to the knowledge of truth. They're professors and doctors and things of this nature. But they can't tell you the plan of salvation. They, they, will, they will divert and explain away Acts 2.38. They'll explain away the operating of the gifts of the Spirit. Of course, I understand that. If you've never experienced it, never been involved in it, you, you don't want to believe it either. Especially if you claim to be saved. And you got a flock following you. you got disciples following you. And if that number's in the hundreds and thousands, sometimes it don't even have to be that. we got we got multitude of little churches that's got 10 and 15. Nicodemus saith unto them, 
the council. He's there. He's a part of this meeting. He's a part of this questioning about Jesus. They already condemning Jesus. They, in fact, condemned any and everybody that became a disciple of Jesus Christ. They put the word out. If you become a follower of Jesus, we're going to cast you out of the tabernacle. We're going we're gonna to disown you. We're going to disqualify you. That's the reason when the blind young man that you read about, I believe in John the ninth chapter, that it was of age, a man, and God, Jesus healed him. And the parents are brought in questioning, amen, how he received the healing. And they finally tell him, hey, he's of age, ask him. You know why? Because they was afraid of the people. Another scripture talks about because they love the praises of men more than they love the praises of God. When you and I decide to become a disciple of Jesus Christ, or if you and I decide that we want everlasting life, we got to reach that point in place. It doesn't matter what grandmas and grandpas and mamas and uncles and aunts and nephews and friends and peers, we got to make it a personal. You know that statement they use a personal savior? That's a true statement. We ought to claim that statement. We ought to get a hold of it. Anybody that's experienced the baptism of the Holy Ghost and the power thereof and sit in heavenly places. Amen. I'm telling you what. He's, your, he's become your personal Savior. It's a personal encounter. You can't, you can't live off of somebody else's experiences. You can't survive or attain eternal life. There's no grandchildren going to be in heaven. Nobody's going to have the right, regardless of their lineage, regardless of positions of people's health. Everybody's got to be born. No one's exempt. Doesn't matter what fifth or sixth generation Pentecostal we might be. We can get a head knowledge and never have a transform in the heart and wind up lost. And you know what? Can I say this? And that's where we give an occasion to flesh and the devil. To make inroads into the apostolic church and destroy apostolic churches. Because whenever they put into positions without the goods, they can't make the stand. That head knowledge won't, won't hold them. Head revelation won't hold them. It's, you've got to be a transformed heart. You've got to become a new creation. And no mom and daddy has the power to transform that baby. Only God. Only having a love for truth, having a love for God, is the only thing that can change that. That's what brings us. That's what holds us. That's what brings us through all this. It's truth. Truth will always prevail. Truth is always going to win. Amen. Regardless of what it looks like. Regardless of what it sounds like. Let me ask you something. Who won that day with Stephen? How did heaven look at that? And the Bible says they looked upon him as looking upon the face of an angel. But even Stephen confessing, I see Jesus, the very one they was against. I see him standing on the right-hand side. All the other times prior to that, you saw him sitting on the right-hand side. But in this situation, you saw Jesus standing, a man on the right-hand side, observing from the heavens, looking down, watching his little darling calling Stephen, the first martyr for the gospel. The blood that was going to be shed for the gospel's sake, for the truth's sake. And there's this council in ones. And Paul, amen, that we read about later, amen, was a part of this council. And a part of setting this up. And they laid the coats at his feet, amen, to see this unfold. So, so what I'm trying to get us to understand, amen, with Nicodemus and what's unfolding here. What he had to, the reason he came at night and what was there. And we can say it was being afraid. You can say, we can say what we want to. 
But at least he had the nerve out of 70 to make his way to Jesus, even if it was at nighttime. He was willing to come out from all of everybody and everything else. I'm going to tell you something. We're going to have truth, buddy. We got to be willing to lay everything else down. Every false doctrine, every false teaching. I'm not saying they're all false of truth. See, that's another problem. A part of truth, a partial of truth. Amen. It could cause more harm than good. It's a lot easier to deal with somebody that's a lost rank sinner than knows that they're lost and undone. Than to deal with somebody that thinks they're saved and they're right with God and everything's okay. And they're lost and twofold the child of hell. That's what the Bible called them. Disciples and followers of the Pharisees and Sadducees was called twofold the child of hell. You've got to get them lost before you can get them saved. And it's harder sometimes to get them lost than it is to get them saved. But when that guy understands and realizes I'm lost and undone, I need a God. I need a Savior. I need a lamb in my life. I need a washing in my life. I need a deliverance in my life. I got the answer. I got the experience for you. I know who can set you free. And it doesn't matter how much in bondage, how much in darkness they're in. It doesn't matter how many dungeons they've been in. But when they come to that realization, I won't like them. I'm telling you, in one day's time, amen, he can pull them out of the dungeon and put them on the throne room. One, one experience, one encounter, one service. This God has the power to deliver them out of myth. This God has the power to deliver them out of drugs. This God has the power to deliver them out of the power of the chotos of sin. And it all hinges on passion and desire and hunger. If a lunatic, amen, can find deliverance in the presence of Jesus, I tell you that God hasn't changed today. I'm so unchanging God in his delivering and delivering powers. And he can do it in this service on this Sunday morning. He can let the illuminating light of God, amen, shine down upon us. So when you go from that area and you see where... Well, let me finish that. Nicodemus saith unto them, notice in parentheses in that particular scripture, he that came to Jesus by night being one of them. <laughs> Doth our law judge any man before it hears him? Man, he's putting them on the spot. I'm sure there were some sitting next to him. They answered and said unto him, Art thou also of Galilee? Galilee was a place where no good thing could come out of it. No prophets, nothing. So now they're, they're claiming it. <laughs> he says, Search and look, for out of Galilee ariseth no prophet. And every man went home to his own house from this point to this place. They tried to set up. But watch, amen, Nicodemus stepped in to Jesus. He, he tried to bring it to attention. We don't have a right to accuse him without first hearing him. And then the last time we read of Nicodemus, the third time in your, your, your Bibles in the 20th chapter, amen, of, of John's writing. So I'm sorry, the 19th chapter, 38 through 42. This is after the crucifixion. Most of you probably know this one. Amen. But after this, that Joseph Arimathea being a disciple of Jesus. Watch the next statement. Now, we, we beat up Nicodemus a lot of times. But boy, we brag on this one. What's the next statement about him? How, did he, how was he a disciple? Pharisees and those that held those positions. But yet now this Joseph. Now watch this. 
Amen. He besought Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him the king. When he goes from that, you're going to see. Amen. And there was also, watch this. The next verse. There came also Nicodemus. Let me say this about Nicodemus. Most all of them that held these positions were very rich. Every one of them. They held positions, places, finances. They was of the elite. Okay. So there came Nicodemus, which at the first came to Jesus by night. Brought a mixture of myrrh and alloys, about a hundred pound weight. This man called Jesus. Then took they the body of Jesus and wound it in linen clothes with the spices as the manner of the Jews to bury. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden. They just took the garden and used a sepulcher wherein was never man yet laid. There laid they Jesus. Therefore, because of the Jews, a man preparation for the sepulcher was nigh at hand, close to where he was crucified. It was close by. And they laid him in that sepulcher. Amen. So now, let's go back to this conversation. Now, remember who he's talking to. Remember, Jesus is the author and finisher. Jesus is the almighty God. Jesus is the one that proved himself many a times, a man that he knew the thoughts and the intents of hearts and individuals, both good and bad. Okay? And so now as we get into this conversation and the reason of of Nicodemus coming to approach Jesus, and even though it's at night, and then he came and says, and so Jesus immediately, he says, answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except, that ought to be underlined. That needs to come out in bold letters. It simply means unless. There's no other option, no other choice. There's no other avenue. They can say what they want to. I've heard them tell it. Oh, so you mean to tell me if somebody's in a wreck and they, they was, you know, right before they died, a few seconds before they died, they'd done this and done that. I'm going to tell you something. You belittle God when you say that. This God can raise him up. If he hadn't had a chance and he hadn't had any arrangement, and God knows, I don't know. God knows. But I can tell you one thing. The Bible said God's going to owe no man. And the opportunity in another place falls right into Titus. And we're going to talk about that probably Wednesday night. As we get through with the servants, amen. The grace of God has appeared unto all. Not some, not part, not set. The Bible says unto all men. I tell you, the scriptures back to that, honey. Amen. Because if you want, to, you want to be saved, if you want everlasting life, you just got to have a passion and desire to start reaching for it and digging for it. It may be a process that you go through. It may be a lot of avenues and ups and downs and things like that. You may be even shocked the people that you rub shoulders with on that journey that God maneuvered and God arranged, amen, for you to meet them because they had truth. Because they had truth. And he knew your heart and your intent. But you got an adversary and you got a devil and you got a spirit of the world and you got a religion and you got things sometimes, amen, that you've been brought up in that works against you harder, amen, than the devil himself. Sometimes our own preconceived ideals and ideals of doctrines and what we've been embedded into. Come on, people don't get into cockpits or jets and drive into, into towers unless they've been brainwashed. They've been persuaded this is the thing to do. This is the way to go. That's a bunch of infidels. That's a bunch of idiots. We need to destroy them. God takes care of all of that. Thank God. Thank God. I mean, living for God's common sense. I tell you, God, living for God and serving God and the way of righteous holiness and, and everlasting life is really just common sense. It's not as hard as a lot of people make it. It's just about selling out. It's just about repenting. It's just, and I'm sick of this world. I'm sick of me. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. 
That's right. There's no good thing in me. I need God. I need the, I, I'm not nothing, God. I don't have no rights to nothing. All these folks has come up with this big idea, and that's another trick from the enemy. Amen. That's nothing to start up from the pits of hell. All these folks want all these rights. None of us don't have any rights. We've all failed to come short of the glory of God. We ought to all wind up in hell. None of us has a right to be saved and redeemed and brought out. It's the goodness and the mercy and the grace of God that's got us here. It's this grace that's going to keep us. It's this grace that's going to get us out of here. Hello, we don't deserve it. Where's this idea? Amen. We deserve. We deserve. Who, de who deserves what? We deserve death. We deserve the perm permanent separation from God. That's what we deserve. It's his mercy and grace and compassion. Hallelujah. The talents and the gifts I've got, I didn't get them. They all come from heaven. They come from a heavenly father. I didn't earn them. I didn't do it. No, 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 no. It's the goodness of God, the mercy of God, the power of God. I can't put one foot in front of the other if it wasn't for God. I wouldn't last five seconds against the devil. I wouldn't last five seconds against the spirits of the world. But with God in me and God working for me, who can be against me? You've got to get God. You've got to get in that place with God. You've got to get in that realm. Amen. It's not about me. This church is not about us. It's about Jesus Christ. It's about a Bethel. It's about a place that whosoever will. And it doesn't matter what walk of life they come from. They come from an educated life or from an illiterate life. If they come, amen, owning billions of dollars, if they don't have two nickels to rub together, if they come in all cleaned up with high-dollar suits on, hallelujah, $10,000 suits on, if they walk in here with nothing but rags on, they have a right. That's the right they have to. Guess who bought that one? Guess who brought that to all men? The whole time, the very one they trying to destroy. Amen. To rob and to, to annihilate was the one that was going to bring the kingdom of God. Amen. To introduce them to the kingdom. So this is, watch this conversation now. As he deals with Nicodemus. As he comes to him at night. Except a man be born again, he cannot see. Except he, be, he can't see the kingdom of God. He can't see it. Hallelujah. You've got to be born to really begin to even see some things. That's the reason Paul's writings in Corinthians said you can't call him Lord without the Holy Ghost. There's no real revelation. Hallelujah. Holy Ghost. That's the reason I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't focus on it. I try to get people, this, you converts and you people that's coming. They want to get focused on what all they got to lay down. They all worried about the case of the ladies. And I understand that. I have compassion. I understand that. But please, so look, get the foundation. Get the Holy Ghost. When you get the Holy Ghost, all that ain't what you think it is. Hallelujah. If you get the Holy Ghost, the hair ain't no big deal. Makeup ain't no big deal. Ideas and opinions of the world is no big deal. Once you introduce the Holy Ghost and get the Holy Ghost, let the Holy Ghost lead and guide and direct you. Let the Holy Ghost convict you. Don't do it for a man. Hallelujah. Do it now for one man. His name is Jesus. That's the only man you change for. That's the only man you want to be transformed for. That's the only man you got to fall in love with. Hallelujah. And this type of love that I'm talking about of everlasting life. He's the one you got to please because he's going to be your judge. But Jesus Christ himself said, I didn't come to condemn the world. I came to save it. I mean, he could have jumped all over. Oh, you one of them Pharisees. You one of them 70. Man, I ain't got time for you. What you doing knocking on my door at night? Jesus will take him in at night, not at a convenient time. Maybe he'd done been busy all day and weary and tired and wore down. Hallelujah. But he was still open and open up his door at nighttime. Hallelujah for Nicodemus. That was from the Pharisees. That group, amen, was out to destroy him. That group was out to kill him. Looking for means and ways, amen, to overcome him. But he opened up his heart. He opened up the door to him. Amen. Praise God. I tell you, I'm glad God's on our side this morning. So as this conversation moves on, Nicodemus saith unto him, How? Can a man be born when he is old? 
Now we're seeing the spiritual darkness that they're in, the blindness. And come on, if, if, let's put ourselves in Nicodemus' place. You know, sometimes we don't act like we know it all. The only reason we know it all is because we didn't read the back of the book. Don't you just love it when somebody gives you a book and, amen, they tell you the ending of it? Don't tell me the ending of it. I ain't going to read the book if I know the ending. Man, but thank God that song came out. I read the end of the book. We read the back of the book. We know who's going to win. We know who's going to be victorious. But you can't just jump to the back of the book. got a process. He's got a manual. He's got an instruction book. And everybody's going to have to abide by it. Because that same manual, that same instructing book, a man that he's going to use, it's the same book you and I are going to face in that day. And so, as we watch this, he said, how, how, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, verily, verily, which means truly, truly. I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, Notice the word spirit there also. It's not small casey, large. And always in the King James Version when it's that, that means Jehovah, the spirit of God, the spirit of the Almighty. You can't just be born of your own. Hey, I've heard one talking about, well, you're born to the water when you, when you birth or your mothers. Well, you drink some of that water if you think it's water. Hmm. I'm telling you. You can get messed up. Man, come on. You can pull out some, you can pull out some dudes. When you don't want to believe it, but you want to claim something you don't. You know, I claim to be a millionaire, but until I can write the check and it don't bounce, they don't mean nothing. Huh? <laughs> so, so as you watch this, that which is born of the flesh is what? Is flesh. If you go all the way to the Hebrew writings, he talks about that. The man, the first man's got to be born first. And then the second. It also ties you and brings you all the way back to Jacob and Esau. A lot of people don't ever do that, but that's the truth. The two sons out of Rebecca was, and the two nations, or the two worlds. And there's a likeness and a pattern and example of Esau and Jacob. Amen. The, the elders got to serve the younger. This carnal man's got to come under subjection to the spiritual man. That's the reason we must be born to the Spirit. Because now we got a law in us. Not a law of sin that dominated, controlled us. Amen. That we couldn't seem to get a handle on. Amen. But now through the birth of the Spirit, we got a law of a Spirit that can help us war against it. That can help us and guide us. Amen. If we're humble to it and yield ourselves unto it. To overcome sin. I didn't say we would live sinless. And did I not, did not say that we live a perfect life. But I'm telling you there's a far difference. Amen. Than being a servant of sin. Hallelujah. Whenever I'm I'm, well, I'm just going to say it. If I'm smoking cigarettes and popping pills and drinking up and running around and carousing with everybody else, hallelujah, still claim to be a Christian, I beg the difference for you. That's the works of the flesh. If you argue with that and argue with Paul, hallelujah, the fruits of the Spirit, amen, is nowhere near that. But the works of flesh, amen, he said, none of these shall enter the kingdom of God. None of these, amen, shall be a part of that kingdom. What are we trying to get? We're trying to get everlasting life. That's the kingdom that we're trying to become a part of. So Jesus has given Nicodemus the instructions and the guidance how to attain eternal life or everlasting life. And that's what our lesson's about today. So Jesus responds to him. He says, marvel not that I said unto thee. Don't wander. Don't, don't let that blow you away. You know, don't, don't pack up your little suitcase, Nicodemus, and walk out. Just hold on. Wait a minute. 
pay attention, watch. <laughs> the wind bloweth, which is likened unto the spirit, realistic wishes. I mean, you remember a statement I made here, it's been several months ago, and I haven't said it in a long time. The spirit will flow to its least resistance. If you won't resist it, it'll flow. It'll move. But if, if you and I start questioning it and doubting our evil hearts of unbelief, it worked in the Old, Old Testament as well. had not changed in the New Testament. He that's got an ear to hear what the Spirit has to say and a heart and a passion to receive it, the instructions, the guidance, not to be arrogant, not to be a know-it-all, amen, but to be a vessel of God, to be uh, the, the chosen vessel that he would like for us to be, and every one of us is a chosen vessel. I know it refers to Paul a lot of times, but every one of us is a chosen vessel. Nobody can take your place. You know, amen. <laughs> you know, I mean, your fingers, your hands, your parts of your body, nothing can take its place. You know, if you cut this and off, you can't take this and move it over here, transfer. It's not going to work the same. It's not designed. It's not, it's not going to happen. And, and so what did Nicodemus answer said unto him? How can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, Thou art thou a master of Israel, knowest not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, we speak that we do know. Now remember, we speak that we do know. He's talking about those that we do know. Jews, Jews. Uh, I'm not going to jump to that one. I can't. That's next week. Uh, but uh, as you go back and look, amen, what did Nicodemus say uh, to him? He says, man, Jesus said unto him, we know. So Nicodemus, you, we know that there's, we do know that you're, you're sin of God. Amen. You're, you know, so they recognize. So now Jesus is referring to him. Amen. That we know now. Amen. That we know. Amen. Uh, and testify that we have seen and you receive not our witness. Testify and seen and know the, the demonstration. That's the reason Jesus Christ, the Messiah, fulfilling those promises as it was prophesied about him. Amen. Through raising the dead and open blinded eyes and preaching the gospel to the poor. These things are unfolding. Back in Isaiah, it was prophesied hundreds of years prior. But then one of the books handed to him in the temple. You go back to that. Amen. And he sits down and said, these scriptures fulfilled before you today. In your eyes, the grace of God has appeared unto all men to come. And the power of God and the demonstration of who he was as the Messiah. Amen. And I have told you earthly things. Eat. And ye believe not. How shall ye believe if I tell you of heavenly things? And no man hath ascended up into heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man, which is in heaven. Amen. Wow. Now, now watch that little part right there. You got to remember John's writing this about 40 years out. So now this same son that he's talking about was the Son of Man. Talking about Jesus Christ. And John's writing to him and letting him know right there. He's the son that's sitting up in heavens right now. He's conquered what? What do you got to conquer? What enemy you got to defeat to have everlasting life? Death. What is the last enemy? That's the reason God told Jesus to sit on his right hand side. Is, watch this. To what his enemy is put under his footstool. Death hadn't been conquered yet. Not in, to in the totalness. But it's going to. The New Testament writer, Paul's revelations, writes it to and said, the last enemy is going to be death. There'll be no more death. Wow. Think about that one. There's going to be no more death. That means there won't be more afflictions and diseases and 
don't have to worry about your teeth falling out. You don't have to worry about going and getting glasses. You don't have to. Man, if you want to have a bald head, I guess you can have one. If you want to have a head full of hair, you can have one. I mean, I don't know how much, how many options. You know what? Most of them are just going to be glad to be there. <laughs> glad to be there. Glad we made it. Amen. Glad to be a part of it. He goes from that and um, he goes and he says, watch this. If you remember, go back a couple of times already. But the Pharisees, they, they built their faith and their doctrines on Moses. Okay. And so Jesus even brings this out. He brings it to them. He said, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Huh. What happened when the serpents bit? And, and when, 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 when Moses, the people came to Moses, Moses went to God. God didn't just didn't destroy the serpents. Now, the serpents seemed to come from everywhere. And, and they was bitten, and that was a type of sin. But he took a serpent, he told him to make it out of brass and put it on a pole and lift it up. And those that would look upon Kim and make confession. Oh, this is where we start getting this confession stuff. Let me ask you something. What happened to Israel, the brazen serpent? What did the brazen serpent become to Israel? What did Hezekiah have to do with the brazen serpent? He had to tear it down. He had to destroy it. Because the Israelites had made a God out of it. We're living in a generation that has made a God out of confession. No changes. Don't have to do anything. You come as you are. Stay as you are. Do what you want to do. As long as you believe and confess that Jesus is your Savior. That's got to be torn down. That's got to be a gainsayer that must be stopped. Because it's a doctrine that's leaving people to eternal damnation instead of eternal life. They can judge me for that if they want to, but it's right. It's more to it than confession, amen. Amen, it's when you move on and keep on being born again, both of water and spirit. And when that happens, you'll, you'll know it. Anybody, I know some of you have been under, got some brand new babies in here. Hallelujah, what, what do you want to hear when you're in that delivery room? You want to hear some sound, don't you? You want to hear some cry, don't you? You want to see, I, I won't never forget it, amen. Uh, with Heath, amen, whenever he was born, and they kept working with him. And I even kind of noticed, I was standing there with my wife, and, and finally that doctor, he steps up to us after about five minutes or ten minutes or so. He steps up to us, he said, hey, look, we got to go. we got to do something with him. He said, we can't keep him, amen, because, I mean, they was doing it on his feet. They was doing whatever they could. He just wouldn't, he wouldn't breathe him. He wouldn't stay in, he wouldn't stay in with us, <laughs> amen. He said, hey, he's got some blood problem anyway. Hallelujah. So they rushed him out there, and I won't never forget, and we opened up them doors. Them old doors opened up with us going out. Immediately, Miss Ford was standing there, immediately straight out of her mouth. I said, where's the baby? He wasn't, how you doing? How you doing, baby? How y'all? No, huh? where's the baby? <laughs> she knew immediately something wasn't right. Something's wrong. Amen. Why? Because, amen, that sound, that cry wouldn't be made. They didn't hear cry because there wasn't any cry. We'll tell you some people that cries that came to the Holy Ghost. Outside of that, the evidence of speaking in that heavenly language, as Spirit of God gives you the utterance of, hey, there's going to be a likeness. It's not healthy. It's not sound. And it's not going to get the job done. That's what Jesus is telling. He's telling Nicodemus, man. He's telling a religious leader. He's telling a religious guy. They're supposed to know all the ins and outs. This is what you must do, Nicodemus. You must be born again of the water and the spirit. He goes from that. This is where you finally get to that place. That whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have, have what? Eternal life. For God so loved the world. Now, it's funny to me, we jump to this 16th verse. 
But we bypassed all the previous verses that led up to this 16th verse. We just leaped over them and jumped on this one. That's the reason they jump over Acts and jump into Romans and think you can skip it. Because if you don't know, if you've never been instructed, if you've never experienced it, it's hard for you to tell it. But when how was you saved? I just believe it. Hey, I, I've heard I heard a guy the other day talking about the Trinity. Said I can't explain it. That's what he said. Said you just got to believe it. Well, it's a whole lot easier to believe in one God than it is to believe in a Trinity. I can't explain the one God. I can't explain a beginning and an ending. I can't explain that Holy Ghost overshadowed Mary. Amen. And she brought forth a virgin out of a virgin. Amen. A child called Jesus. I can't explain all of that. Amen. A sonship that Paul talks about in Corinthians is going to be an ending to. Because there won't be any need of the sonship. The only one that you're going to see sitting on the throne is a man called Jesus Christ. Because God was manifesting in the flesh. Hallelujah. Oh, I can explain it. Amen. So if I can explain it, I sure can believe it. I believe in this one God message. I believe in this apostolic movement. I believe in being born again of the water. In the spirit. I believe in being transformed. I believe, amen, hating the things I once loved and start loving the things I hate. Hallelujah. And if we love God and let God guide us, I tell you, we can see a powerful move of the Holy Ghost right here. So as you watch this from that 16th chapter, for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Yes. We're in this to be saved, folks. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Condemned already because he didn't believe. Watch this. Here's Nicodemus now. He's in this council. He's got all these. They don't believe. They don't believe in the name. They don't believe that he's the Messiah. In fact, they're doing everything they can to destroy him. They doing they sent him out, amen, to judge his words, to find an accusation, how that they might accuse him and have him crucified. <laughs> but they never caught him. He's never able. Amen. If you could stand, I know I'm I'm I know I'm the latter part of this, and if you mention if you go back, light. You remember I made a statement about about Nicodemus. To be born again of a spiritual darkness that was upon them. Amen. Because now they had the book. You got Ezekiel, you got Jeremiah. It talks about, amen, receiving the Spirit. It talks about the commandments written on the tables of the heart. It was prophesied. He got joy of it, prophesied that the Spirit of God is going to pour his Spirit out upon all flesh. They had all that. They weren't ignorant of those verses. They weren't ignorant of that. <laughs> but here Nicodemus couldn't quite. Grasp, couldn't quite comprehend what Jesus was instructing him about being born again. And now often throughout our life in the world that we're in today, when you and I go out there as witnesses and make true confession of being born again of the water and spirit. I, I know I know a lot of them claims that you know you're evangelistic host and what they call born again Christians. But they never use anything out of the book of Acts about born again. Never. In fact, they don't ever really give you any scriptures. They just take you to Romans. And you make confession. But watch this. What do you got to make confession of? Let's go to Romans. 
back up if you're stupid. What do you got to make confession of? The gospel. What is the gospel? It's the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's, it's there. If they would just study it out, if you search the scriptures, it's there to be to do penance, baptism, infilling. I can take people to the Old Testament, to the Moses Tabernacle plan, and preach the same plan of salvation. The same steps, the brazen altar, the lava, the going into the holies of holies. It's all there. From the very God never changed his mind from the beginning. God's laid it out from Genesis. The seed of a woman, a Messiah's coming. I'm going to bring back, I'm going to restore what I lost in the garden, a fellowship. This is that fellowship being born of his spirit that he may come and take up a bold in us. He's not looking for hotels and motels. He's looking up, please, amen, to file homestead exemption. <laughs> He's come, amen, this is my vessel. This is my darling. These are my little babies. You know, there's a lot of benefits to that because you and I can also say, God, this body belongs to you. You can heal it. You can mend it. You can preserve it. You can give it life and strength and abilities. Hallelujah. That nothing or nobody else can. Because it belongs to your service. And for fulfilling of your purpose. And God I want to fulfill that purpose. And God if you'll heal me. I'm going to do my best to do it. I'm going to do my best if you don't heal me. I'm going to love you. I'm going to serve you. Born again. The water. And the spirit. You know what we need to pray? What we need to pray to break out in our community. And what you and I need to get engaged in is convincing everybody out there. Hallelujah. You want to experience this for yourself. You want to know about this for yourself. Because there's nothing like it. Experiencing the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Following through like Nicodemus. I'd love to be able to tell you this morning, but I just don't know by scripture. Whatever happened to him. You don't read about him any, ever again in the scriptures. But he could have been a part of that 120. I don't know. But you just don't read about him. But I do believe that he was a disciple. And he was a believer. Huh. And prayerfully and hopefully. We get to see him up in heaven. And hopefully and prayerfully we get to see each one of you. And y'all get to see me. <laughs> Hallelujah. Kind of like that guy said that time. Three surprises. Surprise who was there. Surprise who wasn't there. The biggest surprise that I was there. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Because it's a battle. It's a struggle. It's a fight. It really is. But it's just a good common fight. It really is. Just getting your mind made up. God, if you'll help me. God, if you'll strengthen me. And he does. And he will. Let's trust God this morning. Let's put our faith in God. Let's don't have evil hearts. Let's have an ear to hear what the word and what the spirit is instructing us today. Why don't you help me pray? God, we love you this morning and appreciate you. We thank you for every vessel, every soul that's in this house this morning. I pray the words of God, your words have been able to penetrate the hearts, the souls, the minds of each and every vessel in this house today. 
You're the lover of our souls. You're the way maker and provider, God, of our eternal life. As we humble and yield ourselves unto your touch, unto your visitation, I'm asking you, God, to send a special touch, a special visitation upon each heart, each soul. And if by chance there's one here that really doesn't understand or couldn't quite believe it, God, you'd visit them in such a beautiful and a powerful way that only you can do it to work on their behalf, God, to bring them unto that place and into that place, to receive the promise of your spirit, to be buried in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, to receive that resurrecting and the measure of that resurrecting power and the measure of that everlasting life. Help us, God. Help each one of us with true repentance and submission, yielding ourselves unto the operation of the Holy Ghost. In these end times and end days, we make you the priority in our lives to bring souls, to be a light and to be the salt of the earth, to walk in the beauties of your grace and the beauties of your counsel, giving you all the glory and praise and honor today through and by that wonderful name of Jesus Christ, we pray in Jesus' name. Love you today. Appreciate you. God bless you. Love you. Don't forget 430 praise team will be coming practicing. Love you. See you tonight. God bless you.